there is a channel that you can tune into where you know you're made of love, that you cannot be separated from the essence of what love is and the beauty and the grace and everything that flows from our recognition, joy, the genius, each one of us being in the world, being fully what we alone can be in that loving capacity. Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences, or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we, we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Welcome back, everyone. So great to have you back on the show. And I'm really excited to introduce my guest today. Marcia Singer directs the Love Arts Foundation in Santa Rosa, California, which is just north of San Francisco. In her private practice, she offers a variety of counseling methods, healing arts, mindfulness training, hypnotherapy, tantra yoga, sensual wholeness, shamanic journey, intuitive readings, and recovering healthy, intimate relationships. Marcia also teaches in her local community mindful meditation, yoga size, occasionally improv. Oh, that's great. Need to hear more about that. Marcia has authored 11 books, three while on isolating furlough during the pandemic. She focuses on stories of spiritual awakening, psychic development, and mystical experience, as well as recovering the deep feminine self and creative play. She's working on a new book about how we co-create our own reality and introduces her process that she calls the coincidence. Yeah, coincidence. Oh, okay. There's no in on this one. Okay. And has been writing monthly philosophy and advice columns in Santa Rosa for the past 10 years. 78 years and still very busy as heck, aren't you? All right. Well, welcome to the show, Marcia. It's so wonderful to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's nice being had. Yeah, good. So I want to point out to my guests, I was recently, probably not so recently, who knows when you're listening to this, I was on a podcast as a guest called Connecting to Coincidence with Bernard Beitman. And so he talks about coincidences, and that's what his whole podcast is about. But that is how Marsha found me. She heard me as a guest on there, and she got in touch with me, and we had some interactions. And so, first of all, then, Marsha, what I really want to know is, how did you find the Connecting to Coincidence podcast? And tell me about coincidences in your life. So it would be fun to tell you because when we learn to follow the breadcrumbs that are on our path and kind of trust more than not, be a pronoid, trust the universe wants to bless and see if we can get out of the way and let us. Well, partly because pandemic 
infused. I had gotten terrifically isolated. I tend to be somewhat of a lone wolf. I'm contemplative. A lot of what I do is solo, but it got so exacerbated during the pandemic that I realized, you know, maybe three or four or five months ago, I was feeling starved for the kind of connection that you and I are making or for a group because all of my live clients and my meditation circle, that had been going for five years, everything ended in the pandemic. So began thinking, you know, what kind of a group? I used to run wisdom circles. Metaphysical wasn't, I guess I'm, I'm a metaphysician, you know, so I enjoy it when yeah. I'm around other people who are also connected into other spheres and we all have our own metaphors, our own ways of understanding. It's gleeful to me to be with other people who have an ability to articulate where they're coming from and are open to each other and go, oh, that's so great. Oh, that's so great. So I'm in this sort of mishmash of what can I create? Should I do it online? Should I try to bring people to my home again? And somewhere in the mix of all this, I saw, maybe it was algorithmically, saw podcasts. And now and then I'll just, you know, click something. So here's this dude, I've never heard of him, Dr. Bernard Beitman. And he's being interviewed by some other dude I've never heard of who seemed to be mild-mattered, maybe Indian fellow who was very much a neophyte, kind of like a new soul on these paths, very open. And so I don't know Bernie Beitman from anybody. And he's talking about this spirit animal scrapper that he and I thought, oh my God, I had crystal in two incarnations. And I used to, you know, and then he's talking about coincidence and oh my gosh, you know, I'm always learning. I've been since the 19 late 70s, I've been pursuing how do I understand what shows up and what doesn't, what part I play in it. So I thought I want to talk to this guy. I didn't even know that he already had a podcast of his own or that he'd been doing it for seven. I didn't know anything. I just thought he's a nice Jewish guy too. I grew up Jewish. He loves to dance. I like to body spirit dance. He talks to trees. So do I. I thought, okay, the universe has connected me out of the blue to this sweet human being that I think we would have a great conversation. Yeah. So I don't know how to get in touch with them. So I sort of find a contact page. Long story short, I think he thought I was somebody fumbling around to try to participate in his coincidence project. That's not what I was after at all. So it just kind of nothing poofed. And I realized, even though I thought he was a synchronicity for me, his end, I wasn't the synchronicity. He didn't realize, oh, he could have gotten to know me and we would have had this fabulous conversation. I think we will somehow at some point. So I began realizing once that I had ended up signing up, I didn't even think I knew I did it. Started getting emails about all the podcasts. And I saw Karen and I saw animal, communicator, connectedness, reverend. I'm a sort of illegitimate reverend. I had to join the Universal Life Church. Oh, yeah. In order to be safe years back as a hypnotherapist in California because it wasn't recognized. So I have a reverend thing. Yeah. So I just thought I'm listening to him and you. And I watched a handful of Bernie's and I enjoy him. But he is so much more alive. His right brain, whole self comes into play when he's got a woman on his show. With his male guests, he often is more left brain. Interesting. Yeah, I sort of just noticed a difference. 
So this wonderful, robust conversation. And at one point, he said to you, kind of taking it, oh, he says, so you're doing what I'm doing. And I thought, yeah, she is. And she's probably more accessible. And I would love to talk with her anyway, because I have a whole memoir, two memoirs full of stories about all the mystical experiences I had in two lifetimes with this being who incarnated twice as a dog to help me through the kind of emotional and psychological pain I was living through. In the first incarnation, a buddy, we did everything together. Second incarnation, too, that I could tell from the spiritual development that I was going through and her beginning, she was, I think, thrown out of a car on a road in a rainstorm, left with a broken leg, and she was rescued. We were rescuing each other, and I could feel that we had this tremendous telepathy. And I think I sent you a little thing that when she finally passed over, and she died of a sixth episode of bloat, and each time I had to rush to the vet, they would always want to euthanize her. I didn't know how to do that. But she would come back. She came back five times from that. So let's talk about her in a minute, because I definitely want to talk to you about that, because I am an animal person. And so that animal connection, definitely want to ask you more about Crystal and that. But let's just go back to the coincidences for a minute and how interesting that you came across him and his podcast. Anyhow, so it was a series of coincidences that kind of led you here today. And how do you propose they happen or they exist or, you know, what's your kind of theory about coincidences and how can people use them or do we? That fabulous question is exactly what I'm trying to capture in this booklet, which I'm hoping will not expand into a huge book because it's like giving birth and just you think, okay, maybe I can birth one, but I don't hope it's twins or triplets here. So I have been trying to simplify coming from when I teach mindfulness, which is to anybody that I work with who will allow me. I like to point out that the only way you can have any, let's say, control, influence consciously or any power over what's coming is to be able to be present. And we know that that is a skill, even though it's our natural state, our conditioning, socializing, traumas we go through if we do, the hurts, pains, everything builds up layers of interference, our ability just to be, which is where we connect, whether it's with an animal, another person, with a sense of all that is, and we have our own cosmologies. So I chose many years ago to join people who talk about it as fourth dimension or something that I'm going to focus on in this life. I'm here to find my heart and to find love at the heart of everything, no matter what. And that's how I survived, was to be able to find a gift and love, whether love is what was missing from the equation because we couldn't find it, we couldn't experience it, or because we are so in it that we're rapturous. So that's my path. And I learned the word pronoia in 2009 from a wonderful astrologer in our area who wrote an entire manual on pronoia. It's just the most crazy, wonderful book and taught me that 
the Greeks have a concept for the opposite of paranoid, which is to believe the world is conspiring to bless you. Yeah, that's beautiful. I thought, okay, whether it is true ultimately or not, if I choose to orient myself that way, that will be my experience because all of the laws that I've been studying about what affects my sense of reality. And I discovered the Seth books back in the 70s. I discovered Abraham in 1985 when it first came out. So I've been a fan of, of Esther and late Jerry Hicks for all these decades. And Deepak Chopra, a wonderful mentor whose eloquent language has lifted me into the cosmos many, many times. And it all coalesces into they're saying the same thing. I have my own ways, as we all do, and my own amalgams of different practices because I had injury to my sexual psyche at a very early age and couldn't remember much of anything until I was 50. A lot of my, what I call love arts, my practices, my teachings are infused with an awareness of kundalini, which is the life force energy. If anyone is listening, does you know, heard the word and not heard it, there is a whole energy anatomy. Your subtle body is connected to your sexual energy body and the ignition of the fire or the heat, which is also your creative energy, is what burns through all the chakras and creates enlightened moments. For most of us, we don't stay in that state. So I am a practitioner. In fact, my body just does its own thing all the time. Sometimes it's moving. So I have to, I feel like I'm in public. I have to watch. People don't see that I'm, because all this orgastic energy is moving through me. Oh, wow. So in this booklet, this book or booklet, the title I'm giving it, working title, Coincidence, and being a coincidencer, I love the metaphor of dancing. Dancing with life, Leela, the Sanskrit word, the play of the moment, the play of life, the play of the universe, and keeping in step, doing the steps to a benevolent universe. So I sort of created a tentative cover for the book day before yesterday. And I'm from Kansas. I got a shot of Dorothy's red shoes, and I might use one with the yellow brick road from the Smithsonian, but you know, it's like life is spreading out in front of us and I want to have my click, click, my magic. And so I've got these different sections where I'm trying to list all the premises in the different areas that I get asked about. Then I would like to get some focus groups and have people who are colleagues and people who are students or whatever and say, well, here's my questions about it or here's what I think about it. And then kind of Maybe that becomes part of the book or question and answer or something. So that's where it's at. I'm hoping it's not more than 75 pages or so. I'm not about 60. And it's got stories. I have all these stories from my life. So I'm calling the ones that have synchronicities in them and coincidence. And all of the, uh, I have a column I do locally. And I've always talked about how things show up. You know, how you pay attention to the breadcrumbs, what's showing up. and Right get messages. And I am stressing something I don't hear very often. I hear as above, so below. I don't hear as within, so without. Uh-huh. Right. It's so evident to those of us who are working it, but it doesn't get said. So I'm working with the whatever is going on and the tone of it, then how you 
take it in and feel it, even the very shape of it or form of it is reflecting. So that's kind of the premise and all the love arts and all the ways to try to heal and feel whole and get present. And You had your own kundalini awakening or how did you get there? What was your beginning with that? I suppose I can just tell you, I'll give you the, the non-graphic. It was during an autoerotic experience, but it was infused with grief. My boyfriend at the time, my lover, had left and was leaving the country, was moving away, and it was compounding all of the many times I'd been left. So I was in a an experience of both missing my lover and using my sexual life to release tension or something. But I was sobbing and I was feeling grief. And I've had a voice and it identified itself as the elders a long time ago. And I asked, what do I call you? Oh, and he'd gotten, he'd gotten this particular lover, unlike anyone else I'd ever been with, had actually thrown a temper tantrum once and thrown a telephone kind of close at me. Oh, boy. Yes, and it frightened me. And I was thinking about all that rage and that anger and all this pain. So the voice said to me, imagine this guy, imagine him in all of that pain he's feeling coming at you. And I'm feeling the horror of that, that, you know, the, the ravaging of that. And then the voice said, now open your heart, breathe. And like Tong Len, practice. Take that into your heart and into your being. As I did that, the energy, the kundalini kicked in and I felt ecstasy. And, you know, I was like, I'm learning. I've never had this happen like that. Then it said to me, all right, now trade places. Imagine all the things, all the abuses, all the misunderstandings, all the hurt and pain you have had in your life through men. And imagine all of that rage and pain and hurt coming out of you into this man. And I went sobbing all over again, the grief, the realization of all the hurt that I've caused. And then the voice said, imagine his heart opening to you. And as I did that, because I am you, you are me, the energy again kicked through and I was again feeling ecstatic, rapturous, blissful. So that was my first teaching on the power of love and the heart. The shifting of what, in my playful, I call it going from oi to joy, but it was deep grief into ecstasy and that that was the gift awaiting if I can connect my heart to anything. And I set out on a 10-year path of vision quests, working through all of the, just all these issues and, you know, that I had had and my dog Crystal was with me with all of my adventures. Nice. That sounds like it was very powerful, having the heart opening both for you at one point and for the gentleman at one point. Or imagining him, yes. I could not imagine that without my heart also opening, and therefore to open to myself and forgive myself, mm. as well as him. Is this related in any way to what you call the psychic talent that you have, the somatic psychometry? Ah, I appreciate being asked about that. Yes, in this sense, I had had an instance of experiencing kundalini moving before this happened to me, but never through my own body in this way, where it was all the way through. 
when that happened, it opened up my psychic sensibilities hugely. And at first, because I didn't know how to manage it or work with it very well or anything, it was mostly I would have like a mass of maybe past life memories or images that would float. And I, I couldn't translate them or get messages from them. And it was confusing. This is, but what I began to realize at some point, I was doing a lot of massage for about 30 years. And as I was, you know, opening and so forth, when I work on somebody hands on, I'm extremely open and I tend to bring the very best that I, so I was working on a gentleman's thigh. And I remember all of a sudden seeing an image in my head of an arrow piercing that thigh. And it was from an Indian. And I saw a state, I mean, I saw a massacre of some kind. And I thought, should I say anything? And I didn't. Because I thought, oh my God. Well, eventually this was happening so often. And I had a client in on a particular day and he was very good natured and very open to stuff. And I said, yeah, I didn't call him John. John, I'm seeing something kind of weird. Can I tell you what I'm seeing? And I didn't know a lot about his background. And I said, well, you know, I'm working, whatever I was working on, it might've been his heart or his chest or something. I said, maybe it was his feet. And I said, I'm seeing an earthen house or a very, you know, a, a house where poor people live. It feels like it's England to me. And there is a sod floor. And he says, oh my God, my family's from England. And that was where I opened up to starting to trust whatever I would see as a given and then be present. And again, following, let it unfold. So I began to realize that I could read anything. An animal shows up, a tree is there touching the body, but I call it body psychometry because it's reading the feel and the body. And it can be a part of the body. If somebody says, what do you see about my nose? that I might see a past life with a guy with a big bulbous nose and I go into the scenario and I wait for the connection, for the teaching, for their reason. And there's always something valuable wouldn't have come forward. Right, exactly. So that's when you were doing hands-on. Do you still do hands-on or do you? I haven't been. I'm just like starting to get back. So are you able to do some kind of psychometry with the people or the psychic work with the people then remotely, like via Zoom yes. or phone or how, however you do it? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I don't need to be touching. It's very powerful when it can be because, of course, yes, there's a human quality to that and it tends to produce emotion. But yeah, oh yeah, we could just read and do. And do you help people, and I don't know if you call it awakening or noticing or being aware of their kundalini energy? I mean, is that one of the things that you offer? Is it, you know, I, I mean, I don't even know what, what you call it if a person is not aware of it and how to recognize it or awaken it. It's a wonderful question. And the fact is that a couple of years ago, a neighbor of mine who had studied Tantra locally for a year asked me if I still, you know, if there were any groups and, and everything shut down during the pandemic. And I would like to restore, create something. Uh, when I left LA and moved here 15 years ago, I left that practice. So unless somebody specifically says, I want to study that with you, or someone is very sensitive and, and psychic in some way, and that energy, then, then if I have an opportunity, I will teach them something. 
I have a friend in LA that I've been working with for a couple of years with his intimacy issues. And we've discovered between the two of us a way for me to be able to introduce him to the chakras through fantasy suites. He's a very sexual man and he doesn't have a sex life, but he's very visual and he also, he's very creative. So I discovered that I could use this like a stairwell and each level is a different color and represents a chakra. And so when there is a journey that we do, a fantasy that we do, which is, there are many names for, for these guided visualizations or shamanic journey, but he's getting inducted into the different vibrations at these different levels and colors. And I didn't know that was possible, but you know, where two or more are gathered, a meat shows up. And I never would have ever dreamed up something like that on my own without a client came to me for help in that way. Nice. Well, good. Recognizing new ways to help people and, and ourselves is perfect. Well, of course. Wonderful. Yeah. Of course. How can we not be helped ourselves? I mean, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. So let's talk about Crystal now. So you were telling the story of a dog that got probably thrown out of a car. So go ahead. So Crystal was rescued and I had to go through an adoptive process. I was living with a man at the time and she had to make sure we were going to be, you know, good adoptive parents. Her name was Cookie and Cookie and I remained friends forever. But so Crystal, and there are many stories coming towards the end of her life. What I was trying to prevent and avoid, I didn't have the wherewithal to be directly a cause in her being euthanized. At the same time, I was tormented because every time I went in, the veterinarians would say, she's in such pain, you know, you're causing her suffering. She came back from it five times. And they were, most of them were during a full moon, which was something nobody had ever recognized. None of the literature about bloat. I was calculating, went back to the calendar in almost every single instance. It was on the full moon or just before the full moon. So it was a full moon night and the emergency place was filled with other people. And I asked them to do the procedure that they had done before, which is they removed the water instead of euthanizing. But because there were so many, they left her on a table and there were so many other patients there that when they went back to get her, to bring her out to me, she had bloated up again. Oh. So I will take you through the whole messy trauma of my end, taking her back to the vet and she was almost dead. And I was beside myself with guilt and hurt because maybe I should have taken the offer up. But anyway, long story short, I was terrible grief and I was lamenting why, you know, like talking to her, she's out there. Why? Why did you die this way? This way that I tried so hard, you know, and it was so painful. And I heard her voice very clearly because it was not your choice to make. It was mine. So I began a dialogue and realized she was spirit guiding me. She said, it was very painful, but I wasn't suffering. You were. You were the only one in resistance. I was present. And if in a human form I was suffering, it would have been because you were suffering and I couldn't keep you from it. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So I began getting these incredible teachings. Then one day, a friend of mine who had an elderly dog and the dog 
was on its near threshold. And my friend called up and she knew that I had this relationship with Crystal. And she says, oh, she says, I'm just beside myself. You know, I think I'm going to have to take him in and whatever. And immediately, all I saw was light. And I began translating the same kind of spirit light from the pet animal spirit dog who was in pain, yes, but not suffering, except because his human friend, my friend, was suffering. Right. Began reading. And so I realized, oh, my God, I didn't know I could do that. But it's like two heads are better than one. The connection she and I are together was giving me a capacity to be with other people in that horrible place that I was. It doesn't go much past that because people don't go around. They don't know that I have this ability. They don't ask me, but it's there. I can see the threshold or from the light, human or not, and just offer some a blessing to people from there. And you're a reverend. I mean, you must have many, many occasions where, you know, you've been in this capacity. So you know how beautiful it is, how humbling and grateful to be able to be that to be in that space. Absolutely. It's always hard. It's never easy, but it does kind of provide, I guess, a sense of relief sometimes, a sense of, you know, peace and knowing that, you know, like you said, it wasn't your decision to make. You know, I don't think people realize our animals have their own purpose here and their own timing, and it's not always up to us. It's not always all about us. Yeah, it was a, it felt almost brutal. It was so clear, though, in such a powerful statement. It was not your domain, you know, it's not your decision to make. Yeah. So you said you don't work with other people with that necessarily. Have you ever considered it? Or I know there was a period of time when I had a lot of clients that had animals that had passed. And it's interesting, you know, and maybe it's true with you, too, that the same kind of clients all seem to come at the same periods of time, like revolving different people that have the same kind of issues. Yes. And don't do you, do you also find, as I do, it's because I'm working on something related. Exactly. Or just, in fact, when it first started happening, it's just I felt like I'd finally got a handle on something. And then the clients would start coming out and boy, you know. But I've learned that I don't have to have a handle on anything. I just need to be present. And that the two or more gathering and all the other assistance and gift just be open. And through one mouth or the other, together, we're bringing in what we need to know for the healing movement. And boy, what a relief that is. Not to think I have to have it all together and perfect and everything and, you know, master it. Exactly. Did you say, or maybe I read this, was Crystal a reincarnation of one of your other animals? I totally believe so. When the first dog, Simone, who also was a Border Collie mix, and in a lovely little tiny story, she was mostly blind and was dying, and I knew she was, and I was so afraid to leave the house. I hadn't been out of the house for three days because I didn't want to leave. You know what's happening. You know what's coming. So I had to go to the store or something, and I just felt very clearly from my beloved friend to go. And of course, she decided to leave while I was gone. So I buried her and so forth. Well, 
three or four years later, I wanted another dog, and I was with this new man, and I found an ad. I'm sure there was all kinds of synchronicities, and Cookie, who was an avid collie rescuer, and I went to her house, and she had called her Bonnie Sue. I changed the name. So so Cookie says, Bonnie Sue, she calls her at. We took a look at each other. It was like an instant recognition. The dog came up. I leaned down. She licked me on the cheek like, oh, yeah, it's you. Walked away. And it was meant to be. Yeah. We had a hellation. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff to go through, including when my boyfriend and I broke up and we had to decide, you know, to whom she went. And the dog was developing stomach issues because we were all sensitives and determined that since I found her and since he had found a woman, that the dog should stay with me. Yes. So it was very clear to me that this being was a guardian angel and often felt like that to me. We had different times of life to be together as souls evolving together. Right. But she saved my life. In at least one occasion, which is another, I, you know, like I said, I've been writ, wrote all these downs in, in my memoirs because people might say, Oh, you know, Marsha, you're, you know, are you sure this isn't just Pollyanna? You know, benevolent universe, you're a pronoid. You're a, if you knew what I've come through and how many times I was ready to take myself out because the anguish was almost unbearable. And it was one of those times I had Crystal at the beach and there was no quiet and I needed to do some screaming. And I was walking out. Crystal hated water. She did not want to get into water. And I just said, wait here for me. And I waited out. And if I was not already in a negative altered state, I became hypnotized. And all I wanted was quiet and peace. And I was walking. And I'm not not much of a swimmer. I was walking out deeper and deeper and deeper. I just wanted to be asleep. And then something popped aware. And Crystal had swum out. Oh, boy. Right there beside me with these eyes. She knew what was going on. And I burst out in tears and laughter. And we went back together. And that started a whole new chapter in my life. So... Wow. No question. You know, we had a karma dharma destiny together. Beautiful. It's really great to have those companions with us, the guides with us, the angels with us. Yes. So, yeah. So I want to begin to wrap up here, but there's something I ask everyone. And I want to know, what is something you wish everyone knew in the world? You know, it's like, what do you need to get through to people? Oh, how beautiful. That there is a channel that you can tune into where you know you're made of love, that you cannot be separated from the essence of what love is and the beauty and the grace and everything that flows from our recognition, joy, the genius, each one of us being in the world, being fully what we alone can be in that loving capacity. That's what I wish everybody could know. And there would be no wars. There would be none of what, because everybody would know who they are and that they're beautiful and worthy and deserving. And that's what I wish. Absolutely. Beautiful. 
Why don't you tell the guests where they can find you and if you have anything special coming up or not? Well, first, I want to thank you. Maybe I'll find a way to talk to you outside of this because I would like to know about you and you so graciously made this about me. So they can reach me at lovearts, L-O-V-E-A-R-T-S dot info. It's a large website with lots of pieces to it. Marcia Singer also has a medium.com. A lot of my written work has been translated there. I have 11 published works with all kinds of stories. Some of them are silly and happy and funny. They're not all tragic, but I am a both ends of the stick person. Right. And if anybody would like to participate in a focus group that I'm going to be putting together soon, if you would contact me through lovearts.info or I'll give a a lovearts, L-O-V-E-A-R-T-S at A-T-T dot net, then I can get back to you and see that you get included because I would love to know your listeners as well. You know, what coincidence means to them, synchronicity, serendipity, lucky happenstance. That's right. Lucky happenstance. I like that phrase. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Marcia. It's been a pleasure to learn about you and, and what has happened with you and some of your experiences and how you wish everyone knew about the love, the channel of love. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, too. Right. Beautiful, gracious hostess. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you. And we will talk to you again soon. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.